It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Very good day. Welcome to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Our date today is the 21st of December 2023. Well, we can't really complain about the weather because it is so near to Christmas. Um, It is colder. If you're in the shade, it's uh, particularly cold at the moment. Um, Although, having said that, it has been a nice day with nice definition on the mountain and the garden looking nice. And all in all, you can't really complain too much. We'll go due west around about three quarters of an hour. Sensible driving. And um, I should find uh, the birthday boy, Terry. Terry, so uh, first of all, have you enjoyed your birthday? Yeah, it's great. That was yesterday and... uh... Went out last night, had a lovely night, and then uh, out again today with uh, my kids, or some of my kids, and had a nice long lunch, which I've just managed to put myself back into into my office. So here I am. Yeah, it's lovely. And uh, beautiful sunny day, as you say, today is really nice. When that sun goes down, it goes bitter. It was about 60 degrees, I think, this morning, first thing. But it must have got up to about 20, 22, I think, during the day. Yep. Okay, well, look, uh, it is, of course, almost Christmas um, and it is time to sort of maybe think of a little bit of Christmas music to get us started. So uh, let's start on this one. Here we go. OK, well, it is time to reflect on previous years, etc. And... Um, Just a reminder that we try to look at the issues as they're presented in the newspapers, perhaps on TV or whichever way, try to make sense of what we're being shown. It was around 11 o'clock one February morning last year that my two decades long teaching career was unceremoniously terminated by an HR manager at the college where I taught A-level maths. I was told to my bewilderment that I was being suspended with immediate effect over transphobia allegations and I was then escorted off the premises, never to return, as it happens, because I was later sacked. What was the terrible, bigoted offence I had committed that ended my life's vocation? I dared to challenge whether my colleagues and I should be affirming a 17-year-old female student's assertion that she was a boy without first speaking to her parents. That morning I realised that I had become a casualty of the culture wars, the front line of which is in our schools. My real crime was that I had questioned a dangerous gender ideology that has infiltrated our education system and countless other uh, institutions threatening to undermine the very foundations of objective truth by telling children that they can change their biological sex. Later in the article, uh, but I am by no means the only teacher who has suffered in this epidemic of trans activism in schools. Teachers up and down the country have been disciplined or dismissed for taking a stand against extreme trans ideology. Uh, 
One teacher, Cathy Kirby, was investigated by Norfolk Police for a non-crime hate incident following social media posts on trans issues. Despite never being told which of her tweets were offensive, another teacher was ordered to apologise to a class of 11-year-olds at a private girls' school for addressing them as girls. One study last year found that 55% of teachers in England said they had at least one pupil who claimed to be transgender. For secondary school teachers, that figure was 87%. Yet until today, uh, that was during the week, there has been a lack of clear guidance about how to deal with gender-confused children and schools have relied on highly controversial... um, Let's just see this last bit. Um, Highly controversial trans activist groups for advice. And amongst these groups are Mermaids, Gendered Intelligence and Stonewall UK, which all recommend pro-LGBTQ teaching materials. Um, Terry, I know that this nonsense has been going on for a while now. But I thought that was a particularly sad uh, article. And especially when you've got um, another teacher ordered to apologise to a class of 11-year-olds at a private girls' school. Um, I saw it coming back in the year 2000. Nothing like this, obviously. But I knew I had to leave teaching because, quite frankly, it was becoming rather ridiculous at that time. But really, it sort of entered new depths of depravity, for my way of thinking. And your thoughts are very important to me. So what do you think? Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Quite shocked, really, that back then it was going on. Um, You don't. You don't realise how long it has been going on. And it's completely wrong. The only little thing that I did notice this week in the UK that uh, they'd made a run caught a brief glimpse of it they made a ruling that school children cannot be insisted to be addressed by pronouns they won't allow that anymore so you can't get the pronoun wrong that'll make me laugh will you <laughs> um uh, yeah um yeah i could never do your job mate. i'd have to i'd walk away i'd, I'd end up like you i'd be sacked i would have to walk away for that i'm not going to play play silly buggers games um listen anybody can a man or a male can be born in a female's body. I accept that. A female can be born inside a male's body. I accept that. But what we're talking about is the mentality. Everything else is there, which is male or female. It's the mentality. It's a handicap. It's a handicap as much as I'm colourblind. That's a handicap. And as such, I have to live with it. And I believe these people have to live with it. Why they have to make such a song and dance, which completely alienates any kind of advancement they're, they're trying to get uh, with their their problem, shall we call it that? No, it's a handicap. And it, it's, it's, it's wrong. It is wrong. Yes, it, I do agree it should be accepted. Even the Pope's come out this week, Vince, and said that uh, gays can be blessed. Terry, well, there's, there's, there's a, a bit... Move in a, move in a certain direction there, but it's, that's fine. That is fine, and so it should be. That is fine. But when somebody tries to tell me I should address them by a pronoun, they or whatever, uh, no, that is not on. It'll be a case of you get out of my class. And if a teacher walks into a school classroom with girls and said, good morning, girls, 
and then gets, well, possibly could have been sacked for, for saying that, of 11-year-olds, and has to go back in to apologise? Uh, not a chance, mate, over my dead body. Not a chance. No. Uh, it's, it's the tail wagging the dog. It's an extremely small minority trying to rule the rest of us, and I'm not having it. I, for one, I'm not having it. And I don't think any of us should have it. It's it's a, it's belittling my gay friends. I've got many gay friends. I've had gay partners in a business sense. I'm glad you uh, added that. <laughs> in a business sense, we're bloody we're bloody good fun. I promise you, and really good, really good guys. Um, but it, it belittles their lifestyle as far as I'm concerned. It's totally wrong. We accept that there's gay people and we accept that there's lesbian people. Fine. There's obviously a point in their life where, in inverted commas, they come out. And obviously there's a period of that will be when they're at school. And I can understand that would be a very confusing situation. But you know what? We all seem to manage it over the years. Nothing really happened at my school uh, to bring any of that to my attention. So I can only imagine people um, suffering with that handicap uh, managed it quite well and seem to have managed it throughout history, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, some countries you could be hung for it. Um, and, and this wasn't that long in the UK where you could be imprisoned for it. So we're not talking that far far, far away. But it's completely... It, I consider that a natural phenomenon. It is a handicap and should be treated as such. And people will be helped. But I don't go around saying, because I'm colourblind, I should be um, known by a, a pronoun of my choice because I'm colourblind. Not a chance, mate. You, you, you gain. There's not all of us who are actually born perfect, believe it or not. We all have little handicaps one way or another, I think. There aren't that many people. And we just get on with life. And what life bends around us, or we bend around it, and we get on with it. But to go through life creating a prop, which I call quite easily, and more, with more reason, being, being colourblind, in as much as every set of traffic lights is against me, every, loads of, every wiring is against me. Uh, I have really got a, a, a reason to, to create. I don't. I get on with it. I live with it. I accept it. And I tell people, like in my game, in the building game, people say, do you think this colour would? I say, look, don't talk to me about colour. I'm colourblind. Which, again, is the wrong term. We are not blind to colours. We, we, there's certain colours uh, we are we confused with, shall we say. We can't yeah. see certain colours together. To you, look three or four different colours. To me, would look the same. So I instruct my clients do not ask me about tiles and decoration and colours because I'm colourblind. I have to tell them that. And they laugh. That's the first reaction is always they laugh. I said, but, you know, one in, one in eight blokes is colourblind. That's a far bigger percentage than, than gay people or transvestites or, or, or whatever. It's a far bigger percentage. But do we make a hue and cry over it? No. I feel I bloody should do, to be honest with you, if this carries on much longer. Um, no, get on with it. They've always got on with it. Get on with it. Live your life. Enjoy your life. Life's short. There's no big deal, is it? When you can't call a pregnant mother, it's got to be a pregnant woman. No, it can't be a pregnant woman. It's a pregnant person now, isn't it? You can't. It's diabolical, mate. Absolutely diabolical. And it's all why? Because the bloody country can't wake up and, and, and smell the coffee and get out there and say, whoa, stop this now. This has got to stop. We've had enough of this now. Let's just go back to where we were before and carry on the where there wasn't any problem. Because this is creating problems. The mere fact that we're talking about it is creating a problem. And it's totally wrong. And I feel sorry that you had to go through that. Well, um, mine, mine was not through 
the this sort of stuff that's really happening now because where I knew I had to change was when they were telling nine-year-old children who were in a primary school that they could bypass the parents and go to the Brook Centre and obviously arrange an abortion and that sort of thing. And I think, quite frankly, all this now is lending itself very, very strongly to any conspiracy theories that I might have wavered about I think you, you've got to ask yourself, and I certainly ask myself, why was it that when I go back to the year 2000, which is only 20, well, 23 years ago, why is it that none of these people seemed to exist? So, so therefore, in, in terms of numbers, there was no... I remember at, um, when I went to do my degree, there was one fella who was a weird, just a weird guy, and might have come under this category. But, I mean, you know, they were so rare that somebody or some group of people have been pushing an agenda which somehow um, has allowed everybody to suddenly start seeing this absolutely new problem. If you look at um, the the, um, linguistics of it, it's nonsense. You can't suddenly speak to somebody and change the language unless what you're trying to do is trying to confuse a lot of issues and i think that this is really what's behind it all i think if i go on now to the second of the articles i've picked up i think we'll see a link i i always try to look for links as you know uh sometimes they're not quite as evident as they can be but this one i think i think you'll see the same that i'm seeing here we go Okay, this was in today's papers. China is working on advanced brain warfare technology, which is said to include devices that can send enemies to sleep and control their thoughts. Uh, this is according to an uncovered report. Researchers have found two recent studies by China's People's Liberation Army that show the military is increasing its hard power weapons with new technology to win wars without conventional weapons. The biological weapons are designed to induce sleep, impair cognition and alertness, as well as impact decision-making. This, by the way, is in the Washington Times, and later on the same article, China is also said to be developing weapons that can be controlled directly by a soldier's thoughts and can manipulate enemies. Other weapons that the Chinese army is said to be working on includes genetic drugs, which are reportedly capable of altering genetic and physiological traits of people and seek to impair cognitive, emotional and behavioural characteristics. Not pleasant reading, but um, as I say, that's what's in the newspapers today. And I have suspected for a long, long time where a lot of these problems are coming from. This only uh, tends to reinforce the way I feel about it. Over to you, Terry. Well, I think China's been attacking me for years by the sound of it because I desperately need need more sleep. Or I get very sleepy, put it that way. And that's for uh, having 
technology that stops people making decisions. Well, that's me. That's me, pal. Um, yeah, listen, it, it, you have to laugh at it to, to start with, but <laughs> it's logical that something like that is going to happen. And let's face it, Vince, if you're going to have a war where uh, one side is going to put soldiers to sleep and stop them making decisions, or you have a war where you're blowing the hell out of Palestine, I'm not sure which one I'd, I'd prefer to back, to be honest with you. I think I'd probably rather back the Chinese method. Because if you're going to have any wars at all, let's have a bloodless one. I think if there's any wars at all to be had, I think they should be between the hierarchy of the countries concerned. Let them go to a football stadium, the top politicians and leaders thereof, and battle it out. <laughs> Simple as that. What? Why should young, healthy uh, individuals be sent to their slaughter? and told to go and kill that bloke over there because he's, he's, he supports the other side. You don't even know him, but you've got to go and kill him. It's absolutely crazy in, in this modern world that we live in. Hence, what we do need, as quickly as possible, is some form of, of world management, of world government. has to be. It's, it's, it's medieval what we're doing. It's medieval what's happening in Palestine at the minute. It's medieval what's happening in, in any war, for that matter. Medieval what happened in Japan with Hiroshima, with, with, with the, the Nazis. It's medieval. And nothing's really changed. With all the technology and, the, and we're so advanced and we're so intellectual, it still ends up, if you have a disagreement, you go out and blow the crap out the other side, irrespective of who you're killing. So, well, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening here will drive a have some, some sort of discussion where war is banned. I mean, make it laugh, say war is made illegal. Because you can have illegal, apparently you can have illegal warfare. And that makes me laugh as well. As I said last week, I think it was, that you might as well just have two blokes with a, a pistol, back to back, taking ten paces, turning around and firing. You know, whoever dies, that's, well, that's it, that's that war over. You might as well. Or have you got to wait till millions are killed on either side until the decision's made? It's ridiculous. It's unnecessary. It's generally speaking, it's there because of religion or greed or both. And those two need to be to be be tackled. How? I don't know. But we, us, all of us here tonight, I'm sure, would sign a piece of paper that says there will be no more wars. And but therefore we must stop our governments taking us to war. I think I don't can't see anybody not signing that. So if we are the silent majority, and surely it's about time we weren't the silent majority, but the noisy majority, and, and, and made, a, made a play to get move this forward. How? I don't know. But there's got to be a way. Got to be a way. When uh, this particular report's talking about um, impaired judgment, etc., etc., we're already at that stage, because if you've got qualified people, I'm referring to obviously the teaching profession would be the first port of call for me, if you've got qualified teachers who will not stand collectively and say enough is enough, we've gone too far down this particular road, but they don't. I mean, they they start their own internal sort of uh, who's right and who's not right uh, rather than actually coming to any sort of consensus that once you start trying to change language, you stop making people understand what each other means. And unfortunately, I think the trouble is now that... Um, it, there's just an acceptance that war is going to happen. It's inevitable. And it, really what we're just enduring now is a different form of the same horrible 
uh, outcome, which is basically, you know, to see how many of us can actually still be standing at the end of uh, whatever the process might be. Exactly. I mean, what's happening in Ukraine? We're all seem to forget about Ukraine because what's been happening in Israel, it went on the back burner. It disappeared from the screens. It, obviously, nothing was happening. Obviously, it still is. But what, what's the outcome there? You wait till sufficient numbers have been lost on one side or the other to call it a draw. What, what's the outcome? Um, Putin is, is determined to recuperate the, the, the Soviet Union states, as, as they were. Um, that's, his, that's his aim. And he's just put himself up for, for re-election. Make you laugh, re-election. There's nobody standing against him because all those who are standing against him have either been assassinated or they're lying in prison in solitary confinement. There is no, there is no, no, uh, no opposition. So how can you have a free and fair election? It's a bit like on the Saddam Hussein elections, where he, uh, where the joke went that he had the voting paper says vote this side for Saddam Hussein, or tick this box to slaughter and kill all of my family. Which one do you want to tick? Hmm. That's what it's amounts to. They're taking us for idiots, these people. And I can't believe that people in Russia. Are being a swallowing what's going on. For God's sake, you've got a huge country, just live with it. This man just, it's like Monopoly. He just wants to go around putting houses on somebody else's street. It's just got to stop. Because where, if, he, if, he, if he wins in Ukraine, he won't be happy that he's got all of Ukraine. Then it'll be Poland. Then it'll be all the other, other satellite states that, that existed until he's brought the Soviet Union back, conquered, reconquered the Soviet Union, shall we say. But again, don't tell me that the whole of Russia wants that. I think the whole of Russia just wants peace and be able to live without sanctions, without fighting, without wars, and live their lives like we all do. We've all got a short life. We're born into this world and we leave this world. In between time, it should be happiness. Nobody's against that. Nobody wants to create unhappiness. If they do, they need to be eliminated. It's, nobody wants it. I don't care what side you're on. Nobody wants it. There's no majority that wants that. On any side, Chinese, anything you want, nobody wants it. It's just a handful of people in power. And that's somehow, that's got to be stopped. OK, Terry, we'll come to Spain next. So, uh, where are we going? Yeah. To Spain. Okay, just to see whether or not uh, the European Commission can give us uh, any clarity on things. The Commission has no concerns about the impact of Spain's controversial amnesty bill on the rule of law. Spanish Justice Minister Felix Bolaños said on Thursday, speaking to reporters in Brussels following a meeting with the EU Justice Commissioner Didier Reynders and Transparency Commissioner Vera Jarova. Uh, Bolaños said on the amnesty law, I have to tell you that the European Commission has zero concerns about the health and strength of the rule of law and the separation of powers in Spain. Zero concerns, zero none. They, the Commission, are familiar with the law that has been presented. They know that it is a bill that absolutely conforms with the Constitution, with Spanish law, uh, also with EU law, and not only with EU law, but also with European values of dialogue, 
of mutual understanding and of building coexistence from conflict. Blanyos added, uh, but the European Commission rebuffed his claim a day after the meeting, assuring that uh, questions remained and that the dialogue with the Spanish authorities would continue. Our analysis is ongoing, and so, in that sense, the Commission has not said um, yet that the amnesty law does not raise any concerns, a spokesman on behalf of the European Commission said on Friday. Earlier this month, Catalan separatist party Junts per Catalunya led a government uh, by the self-exiled Carlos Puigdemont, offered seven of its votes in the Spanish Parliament to go back to government led by socialist Pedro Sanchez in exchange for a controversial amnesty for Catalan politicians and activists who participated in a failed attempt at succession from Spain in 2017. The move has infuriated Spain's opposition parties who accused Sanchez and the Spanish Socialist Party, the PSOE, of flouting the rule of law for political gains. The political right had called on the EU's executive to intervene by probing potential rule of law infringements. Now, Terry, I know that you've not been a big fan of Sanchez for a long time. Um, I don't think um, I've met many people that feel that that he's doing the right thing anyway. Um, so um, I should should imagine that you've got more clarity in the way you think now, well, whether or not he is just trying to get in bed with anybody to stay in power. Well, of course he is. He's prostituted the whole of Spain. He has slashed the constitution, the constitution that was earned through through decades and decades of of, of civil of, of blood and. Uh, the, the starting with the Civil War, um, progressing through the dictatorship of Franco. On Franco's death, the monarchy was reinstated. Democracy was reinstated. Free elections started. And this is what we end up with. The, the, a prime minister who was, who was in a general election lost the vote, that more people voted against him than for him, um, then decided to run around and see how, if, how, what other votes he could hoover up from the minor parties. Still couldn't get enough to, to form a government. So then decided to go over to the uh, Catalonia Junts, which is the Catalan party, and drop his pants um, to be severely rogered by the party and, and the whole of Spain by creating this illegal amnesty against the criminals who were uh, 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 convicted of, 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 uh, of, of tyranny, really, of, of, of trying to take... Of, trying to uh, separate Catalonia from the rest of Spain by having illegal elections. They were convicted. Uh, many went to jail. The, the leaders fled like the cowards they are, didn't have the courage of their convictions, fled to, the, to Europe, bolted around France and Germany and ended up in Belgium, where they've been living for many years now. Carlos Puigdemont, being the leader of this party, has been living in Belgium, as far as I know, for many years. Yet there's a warrant for his arrest. What did the EU do with that? Nothing. Why didn't they arrest him and send him back? You tell me. I think, is it because he's a politician? Because I think there's any warrant for my arrest and I was hiding out in Belgium, I'd have my collar felt very, very quickly. Especially when this guy had no no problems jumping on television every and being in the newspapers and opening his mouth at every moment that he could. So we've just made an absolute mockery of the Constitution and the whole system. Just for pure greed. He wanted to be king of the castle. 
he needed to prostitute his, himself and his country to get the votes, these seven votes, only seven votes that this Catalan party had, to give him the majority to be able to form a government. And sadly, and I won't forgive our king for this, uh, he was allowed to do it. He should never have been allowed to do it. And sadly, as you've been saying, the EU are basically going to let him do it as well. They're not going to say boo to a goose. So what does that tell you about the EU? It tells you everything I've been saying for donkey's years. It's completely and utterly corrupt. And then uh, today, said Sanchez today was in Barcelona, promising massive finance to the Catalans and, um, and bringing their language to the forefront. Whether that means, as we had years ago, in Madrid airport, that signs were put into Catalan because a similar situation uh, uh, applied then when, when the, the governing party didn't have enough votes and again prostituted themselves with the Catalan party to get their handful of votes to have a majority. And one of the things I insisted upon was that in Madrid airport, signs were being Catalan. What's the world coming to? It's absolutely ridiculous. Again, we, we've just got to stand up and say, no, we're not having it. But until we do, nothing will happen. When you were talking about, um, you, you know, um, Pedro Sanchez not having an absolute majority, I mean, the, the UK have had those sorts of situations probably almost the whole of my lifetime, whereby, you, you know, if you added together all the people that didn't vote for the incumbent party, um, there would be always more that didn't vote for the party than for the party that came into office. Well, well, well obviously, yeah, there's the, the, the little side parties are normally leaning to the left or leaning to the right. And you will count whatever, if you're a left-wing, major left-wing party or a major right-wing party, you will always be counting on a number of these smaller parties to to keep your majority. But, of course, Catalonia um, uh, were, were there with seven votes is quite a healthy number for a small party, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, seven seats is quite a healthy number for a party. And because I think the PSOE only got about 40-odd or something. It's, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, it's, it's, it's the tail wagging the dog. Once again, Spain has been prostituted through politics. Once again, we have to stand this absolute load of crap. And don't tell me about there's no corruption in Spain, will you? God, dear me. Yeah. OK, uh, right. So it looks like there'll be another election into the new year. Um, any ideas how that one will go? Will it be just another year with no proper government? Well, here in Spain? Yes. I, I don't, why do you say there'll be another election? Well, if he was going to have another election, it would have been called by now because he, he doesn't need one. He's got his, he's got his, he's got his votes. <laughs> as long as Catalonia wants to back him on everything that runs through Parliament, the minute Catalonia don't get what they want, and obviously today in Barcelona, as I reiterated, he's there today, and he told the Catalonia that there's massive finance coming into Catalonia from the central coffers of Spain. And a load of other uh, laws are going to be passed for, for, the, for the Catalan language, which is only spoken in Catalonia. It's not spoken anywhere else. So why should that have any more importance than any other Spanish language? I do not know. Why? Because they can. They can. The tail wags the dog once more. So why? He, he, he need, he'll only have to go to the... To, to the if you, well, he won't go to the polls, because he'll lose hands down if he does. But you don't think there'll be a backlash, Terry? Because I, I, I fear that there probably will be a backlash. 
Well, the the, the joke is this: the so-called um, deal that Sanchez did with the, the Catalan party. What are they? What did they have to offer? Though they got seven seats, but who are they going to give them to? The only thing you do, the only other party you give it to, was was uh, the Conservative Party, and they were being bolstered by the far right, the Vox Party, and the far right are determined to slash, remove, convict, and imprison all the all the all the people involved in the Catalan Party. So they weren't going to go to the right anyway, you know. And they they do not. In fact, they the opposite. They were always going to give Sanchez his votes. He didn't have to tell them. I will, I will go create an amnesty where all your political criminals are freed. He didn't have to do that because the alternative is that he didn't get a majority, that the Conservatives did get a majority, in which case the right wing would come down and, and smash the Catalan party through to the, the next week. So it was all completely unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. And I don't see how he, he can go to... If, if he does call a general election... Uh, if you start raving mad he's not going to get any more votes than he had he can only get less the only thing is that the reason why he's in power is because the the, the third place party which were, which were very close third against the second and the first place parties who, who are a left wing party are holding him up they have 30 odd seats and they're, they're holding him up without them he hasn't got anything so if you consider they were a centre-left party, then that may be that may be what could happen, is that in a general election that this centre-left party could actually get more votes than anybody. Yeah. Which you might as well give them a crack, because everybody else so far has, has, has buggered it up. You might as well let them have a go. OK, so the future... Future doesn't look too good, so we'll bounce back for maybe better news. Well, we'll have a lot of fun, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. OK, back to the UK for the next one. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle bells. Okay, so this was an article that uh, took my eye. Most of the time, workers can expect a pay rise only after they've done a good job. Members of Parliament appear to be an exception. Despite another 12 months in Westminster, replete with scandals, sleaze and outright incompetence, MPs are slated to receive an inflation-busting 7.1% pay rise, taking their annual basic income to 92,731 from April of next year. Such largesse uh, would be generous at the best of times, but with many families still struggling with the cost of living this winter, it's frankly unforgivable. Millions of workers are pushing for a pay rise, merely in line with inflation, which dropped in November to 3.9, let alone a rise that ensures they're better off in real terms. And while I don't agree with reckless public sector strikers, I'd rather see a pay rise for frontline doctors than backseat politicians. A little later on, the sad truth is that the public coffers are empty. Five years ago, the national debt stood at £1.7 Today, thanks to ludicrous spending during the pandemic, the figure is around £2.6 In other words, the country has been plunged into an unthinkable debt spiral. This is our national debt and the nation has to pay for it. 
through higher taxes and lower wages. So it's preposterous that these parliamentarians, largely responsible for getting us into this mess in the first place, will avoid the fiscal squeeze. Supposedly, MPs don't dictate their own remuneration. It's set by the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, IPSA, which regulates MPs' pay, pensions and business costs. But for too long now, MPs have used IPSA's alleged independence as a way to avoid accountability for their soaring wages. Now they should be brave enough to come out of publicly and recommend that IPSA freezes their pay. And who works for IPSA? This allegedly independent body? The chairman is Richard Lloyd, OBE, a former special advisor to Gordon Brown between 2007 and 2010. Then there's the CEO, Ian Todd, whose profile boasts of time in central government, including the Department for Education and the Cabinet Office. The notion that IPSA is truly independent seems laughable to me. An institution, as they go, IPSA is about as establishment as they come. And let's not forget, MPs' basic income is just the start of their generous taxpayer-funded package. Currently, Each member is entitled to 5,720 per dependent for caring responsibilities, 25,080 as a London living allowance, 17,840 outside the capital, and a whopping 31,620 for office costs. And there's the expenses. While the 2009 expenses scandal, which exposed such ludicrous claims as the Duck House, for Peter Vigors and garlic peelers for the millionaire lawyer James Arbuthnot has largely stopped members from abusing the system outright. There remains some indefensible claims. Terry, I don't know how they get away with it, these people. If anybody can get away with anything, it's going to be a politician, isn't it? But they I mean... Make the laws. Yeah. So uh, it's only when, when the, we had the whistleblowers about the, the duck moats and the... Uh, uh, duck houses and the cleaning them out uh, years ago, where, where yeah, they, they were they were found out to be fiddling their expenses. Why? Because they were told that they couldn't have a wage rise because it wasn't very good to show in front of the people that they were getting a, a wage rise, you know, more than than the rest of us. So what they allowed them to do was to put in for for expenses anything basically anything within reason, and they would get paid. Uh, so that got stopped. So now they've got on what ninety-three thousand euros a year uh, pounds. Ninety-three thousand pound a year is their standard salary, plus another seventy thousand a year in running cost allowance plus expenses. Add to that seven percent rise, um, and they're not worth the bulk of them aren't worth a toss. Certainly, the problem at the minute. I mean, I, I'm not allowed to vote in the UK. I'm, I've been out of the country more than 15 years, so yeah. I don't get a vote. Um, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't vote for anybody. You've got, you've got a firm in power who've completely and utterly and totally screwed up the country, left, right, centre, up, down, everywhere. There's not anything where they haven't actually blown it through inadequacy, stupidity, uh, and, and basically without any managerial skills whatsoever. How the hell do these people get into positions of power when they have no idea about anything? In the sidelines, behind the curtains, you've got Keir Starmer and his mob of, of left-wing fundamentalists 
waiting to snatch the, 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 the reins of power, and I'm really looking forward to that one. I really, really am looking forward to that one, because that's what's going to happen, because there is no other credible party. Again, like in Spain, here in the UK, you need a, need a, a middle ground party, something that people can hang their cap on. But because you, you certainly shouldn't, you certainly couldn't vote for, for right or left, as far as I'm concerned, in any election in the UK, not with your hand on your heart. And add to that, what has to happen now, and it's happening all over the world, but it's been mentioned in the UK that any electoral promises should be made legal and punishable by law if they're not if they're not uh, carried out, because on their well, they're called electoral promises. We call them lies. On their lies, that they, they get voted in. They say uh, free cigarettes for everybody, uh, 100 pints of beer for every bloke, uh, X number of gin and tonics for your missus and bottles of wine, free, everything else, blah, 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 blah. I remember, I remember Corbyn was on about free internet for everybody. Yeah, don't make me laugh. You can't even get internet in a lot of places in the UK. Yeah. But um, they... Make these electoral promises legal and punishable if they fail to enact them. And that will stop all the crap. Then you're going to get uh, proper electoral promises, you know? And you might have a chance of having a government that actually knows what they're talking about. Whichever side you want to call it, left or right, doesn't make any difference to me. Same as living here in Spain. We, I'm living with left-wing government, and then before that was a right-wing government, left-right, left-right, shake it all about. Every, every few years it changed. How does that actually change my life? Not one iota. It doesn't matter any way whatsoever to me in this country of Spain which party gets in. Why? Nothing changes. It's still all bullcrap and, and lies that you get from everybody. A risk is completely forgotten about once they're in power. So what is the point of, of, of holding a flag for a, for a certain political party when, you know, for worse, you, you just holding the flag for a load of liars and they should be made it should be made punishable that uh, electoral promises will be punishable by law should they fail to enact them well i have to words, to proven that they just they're just issued more lives just to get your vote i have to say that um as i came away from the united kingdom in the year 2000 um you know, after after learning and going and educating myself and trying to understand what was going on, the more that I lived there, the more I realised democracy is a totally flawed concept. It you just don't have a democracy anymore. And when you well, what percentage of the country goes out to vote? Well, exactly. I mean, 50%, it, if you're lucky, and, and, depends if it's raining or not. You know. Yeah. But you're lucky to get 50%. Gone are the days where you got 60%. So half the country couldn't be asked anyway, can they? Certainly in the UK. Switzerland's brilliant. You don't vote, you get a fine. You, you're punishable by law. If you don't go out and vote and exercise your right to vote, you must vote by law. And they have lots of uh, referenda as well as elections throughout the year. When they have their referenda, which is brilliant, the, the, the Swiss government's um, workout policies, they pull them to the people. And the people will go out to vote two or three times a year on a series of legislations. And they have to go legally go out and vote. If you're not, it's punishable. Brilliant. Make people be democratic. <laughs> it's a bit of a play on words, isn't it? Well, for, for my money, you see, I think until 
there's an acknowledgement that industry and education are tied in to the voting system. I don't think you're ever going to get any any sanity in this because basically if you're going to tell me that somebody who doesn't even speak the language but because they've lived in the country for a while has got exactly the same right as somebody that's either a captain of industry and made money for the country or uh, qualified as a professional person and you know has followed one of the professions for donkey's years you you really yeah, you you're going back to the 1800s Vince that's what it was then it was only landowners and, and people of of wealth that had the right to vote. They were they were your MPs. There wasn't anybody else. Tom Dick and Harry never got a chance. But Terry, that's the problem. I agree. I agree in theory what you were saying. But if that mythical person, the, the Tom Dick and Harry, or Abdul, you consider they shouldn't have a right to vote because he doesn't do anything. At some point or other, he must be paying a bit of tax somewhere on the line. And if, he's, if, if, if you are paying tax to a government, then you have a right to say where that money goes. I don't care if you're paying a pound a year or a million pound a year. You have a right to say where that money will be spent. And that, that's your right to vote. And they should have it. I don't have a problem with that. goes to 16-year-old kids as much as it grieves me to give the vote to a 16-year-old kid. Yeah, but I don't... If the kid's I, out there working and he's earning his money, he's paying his taxes, he has a right to say where it goes. Terry, I don't have a problem with a lot of that. However... If you're going to just think that, in, in fact, I mean, if, if anybody's thinking that somebody who's been an educationalist all their life, somebody who's been a captain of industry all their life, somebody that's worked hard all their life, uh, it, it, it has exactly the same rights as somebody who's never wore, uh, never worked, uh, always claimed, and unfortunately, there's a lot of those people. Um, y you've not really progressed the idea of an education system. I mean, we're regressing rather than progressing, aren't we? Oh, education is, is by far the most important. I there's an argument someone made yesterday in the UK. It was a wonderful argument when I thought about it. He said the first thing that any government should do, whoever gets in, is triple the salary of teachers. Triple it. Then you will get really good people queuing up to become teachers. But having said, having said that, when you've had to put up yourself with what we spoke about initially, yeah. who the hell wants to queue to be a teacher? But that's what you need. You need top quality teachers. And if you're, you're paying a round of drinks to teachers and put them under that much stress that they're leaving the industry, then triple the wages. Triple the wages for a teacher. Get rid of all this woke business, number one, that we've been speaking about. Triple the wages of teachers. That way you'll be able to pick and choose through the, the top cream of people then you're going to get an education system. You can lead a horse to water, Vince, but you can't make it drink. If a kid don't want to be educated, he won't be. That's his, that's his, that's his, that's his problem and his wish, and he can go along with that. You have to accept that. You can't make them be educated. It's, it's, it's got to be a choice. But how many are we talking about? You know, 0.001% or something. There's hardly anybody. But, but I thought that was a brilliant argument. Triple the wages of teachers made absolute sense to me because of the point you're coming from. Without education, you have got nothing. No. Well, f fun enough, I've got flagged up another article which I'll look at next, which is a primary school in East London has been forced to close early for Christmas after receiving escalating threats against staff and the school. Barclay Primary School in Leighton um, has been engulfed in row over allegations on a TikTok video that a boy uh, whose age was eight was bullied for being Palestinian. 
In a letter to parents, school chief said there was no evidence to support any allegations of bullying or misconduct, but protesters gathered outside the school on Thursday morning chanting, Barkley, shame on you, and the education is under attack. Now, the the problem really... um, I'm just cancelling a call coming in. Won't be a second, Terry. Um, the, the, the problem really is that, you see, it's almost like everybody is politically made to make their mind up, whether they, whether they like it or not. I am not particularly against the Palestinian... I'm not against Palestinian people. Uh, I'm certainly not against Israeli people. I'm certainly against the likes of terror organisations and what they've caused as problems. But um, I don't think it's healthy if the schools don't feel they can even make any observation as to whether something is fair or unclear or unfair or whatever it is. What on earth are teachers doing if we, do, if we don't give any guidance? Well, I don't have no problem at my school. Um Every class would have its troublemaker, shall we say. But they were reasonably dealt with. Um, and we progressed learning and being educated. It didn't stop what was happening. I can imagine nowadays, under the, the woke ruling that's around, it would be a different thing altogether. Now, that does stop education, because that would disrupt classes. Um, but, you know, if somebody was playing up in class, you know, we would say to them in the break, like, you're being a complete, you know, idiot. Give it a rest, will you? Um, but you can't do that anymore. <laughs> it, it, well, I don't know. You, listen, strip all this wokeism, get rid of that, bury it, imprison anybody who wants to bring it forward again, pay teachers three times the money, and you're going to get a really good society. OK, Terry, we go back to um, the European Union next. Okay, so um, the European Union agreed on Monday to slap Russia with a fresh round of sanctions that includes the long-awaited ban on diamonds, a valuable revenue stream for the Kremlin that has until now remained untouched. Starting on January the 1st, the bloc's 27 member states will no longer be allowed to buy natural and synthetic diamonds as well as diamond jewellery that comes directly from Russia, unless these are meant for industrial purposes. As of the 1st of March, the import ban will begin to cover Russian uh, origin diamonds and jewellery that have been cut and polished in other countries. And by September the 1st, it will expand to lab-grown diamonds and watches containing diamonds. Belgium, the main entry point for Russian diamonds, will use a blockchain-based traceability system to identify and verify the origin of imported diamonds. The raft of sanctions, the 12th since February 2022, also aims to close the loopholes that have pierced through the price cap on Russian oil, which the G7 had set at $60 per barrel. Moscow has, in recent months, sold its product well above the cap thanks to a fleet of shadow tankers and the services of little-known trading firms easily bypassing the commercial constraints the West thought to have, uh, to have under control. 
The penalties do not alter the $60 per barrel limit, but introduce new measures to ensure the global sales of Ural's oils stay within the price cap, like a notification requirement for the sale of EU-made tankers destined for Russia. The requirement will apply retroactively to track down where the tankers sold over the past year have ended up and moreover the package adds 29 companies to the list of entities linked to Russia's military complex including firms registered in Uzbekistan and Singapore that are suspected of helping the Kremlin get a hold of blacklisted high-tech. Right, have you heard about this? No, no. Come on. Yeah, no, it's... What I'm getting at, what I'm about to say, it's laughable. You did sanctions. They get round sanctions. I mean, the mere fact you said the EU uh, are banning the the, the the purchase of Russian diamonds, uh, unless they're industrial diamonds. Hang on. You're going to ban diamonds or you're not going to ban diamonds? It, it, it's ludicrous. They'll just sell it through other, other areas. They're, they're not being hurt. I mean, what have these sanctions done to them so far? I think they closed down a Big Mac place, didn't they, or something in Moscow? I can't remember. Mm. But it, it's, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't seem to be affected. It's not changing the wall. It's not stopping Russia. They will, they're a very powerful nation. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of goods. They've got diamonds. They've got oil. Of course they're going to sell it. I, 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 I've told you before, I, I, I had a client, I'm going back years ago now, back in the 80s, where he, uh, he literally made over a million dollars in one day on trading uh, with uh, a fax machine, because that's all we had in them days. We didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have internet. Using a fax machine and his, and his, and his know-how and knowledge across the world, he bought a series of products from Canada to Russia to Iraq to Australia and four or five other countries in between. He bought products, sold them into another country, didn't take the money, took other goods sold those goods into another country, didn't take the money, but got other goods in return and shifted all those goods all the way down the line to Australia where the, the where it ended up with oil, was, was, was sold into Australia. It started with wheat from Canada and ended up with oil in Australia. And two of those countries had uh, sanctions against them, completely bypassed them very easily. He wasn't buying anything. <laughs> he, was, he was giving them stuff and taking stuff in return. He wasn't buying anything. Yeah. There were no transactions, no monetary transactions whatsoever. And he, I remember that because he took me out for dinner. He phoned up. He said, I've made over a million dollars. This is in the morning, by the way. It's not in the day. In the morning on, on a fax machine. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> uh, now, that is clever. So you can't tell me that in 2023, with internet, mobile phones, and all the technology we have, that Russia can't buy and sell anything. That, he can buy and sell anything that he wants, anything whatsoever. Of course he can. It's ludicrous to say that. The sanctions are being put on it. The sanctions have done nothing. Done nothing at all. This is going on for a couple of years now. It's two years, isn't it? Two Coming years. February, yeah. The Ukraine war. Yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing. There's no pressure on Russia. Everyone's still driving around and doing things and buying things that they've all bought before. Okay. Uh, it's, it's laughable, really. The whole idea of it is, is, is the whole idea of sanctions is laughable. I'll give you um, one last article which um, maybe needs a bit of clarity. Germany's hotels and restaurants now have little to cheer about this Christmas. 
The government has just announced it will raise VAT for the food they serve from 7 to 19%. This is from January. Berlin slashed the tax back three years ago when COVID-19 hit the economy. Restaurant owners are even more aggrieved as before he was the Chancellor. Olaf Scholz had made an election campaign promise that the tax would not return to its pre-COVID rate of 19%. According to Die Hoga, a Germany's hotel and restaurant body. Thousands of outlets are now at risk. This is a catastrophe for our industry, for many businesses. According to the DeHoga survey, 12,000 companies will not survive. They will either give up or go into insolvency. This is Ingrid Harkers, DeHoga's chief executive officer, telling the Euro News. Uh, Germany now uh, joins Denmark, Latvia and Estonia as the countries with the highest VAT rate for food in the European Union. And restaurant owners are worried it's the latest blow for restaurants, which, like the rest of the hospitality sector, suffered the most in Covid lockdowns and are enduring another winter of high energy costs. German culinary classics, including schnitzel and currywurst, are likely to see a price Increase of two euros per dish, which many people may not be able to afford in the aftermath of Corona. In the midst of inflation, we simply cannot handle all of this alone. Unfortunately, the Chancellor did not keep his word. And it's sad that seemingly endless funds are available for wars. But working citizens have to scrutinise every cent more and more. Uh, this is Philip Schultzer, the owner of Alt Berliner Gasthaus. Um, talking to the Euro News. So, um, you don't normally think of Germany having those sorts of austerity measures, but uh, they don't look very happy about it. Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, on the face of it, an increase of that from 7 to 19% on hotels and, and, rest, and restoration, rest, restaurants, restoration, it, it's, it's, oh, it's massive. It's, it's not like 1%, is it? I'll nudge it up 2%. It's massive, you know. Hit them, hit it, hit them hard. Let them cry for a week, and they'll get over it and get used to it. That's 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 what's happening here. But, but again, the little thing you pick up on there, Olaf Schultz's electoral promises of never raising fat if he was in power. Lo and behold, electoral promise broken. Let's get these electoral promises put into law. Let's get it done now. And these that won't happen anymore. That won't happen anymore. And then, then you'll be out of a proper democracy. I mean, Argentina, that, I'm going to say idiot, who's been voted in in Argentina. The guy who goes around swinging a, a chainsaw yeah. at his rallies. Uh, you know, and he, he slashed up, I don't know, about 20-odd departments at his mystery. Just closed them down. Save money. He's, de he's devalued he's devalued the, the, the Argentinian peso. He's slashed the value of the Argentinian peso. Which means any Argentinians wishing to buy anything from uh, that's imported, it's going to cost them a fortune. You know, forget the foreign car and the rest of it. But everything that Argentina can now sell abroad is slashed in price, so he's going to increase their their exports tremendously. Yeah, they're they're, they're protesting in the streets about it and the rest of it. And, but wait a minute, he's going to increase. It, it's a, it's a win-win situation, and it's only him, as 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 controversial as he was can actually get away with something like this. You know, you can't really call him an idiot anymore because it might just work, you know. So there's, there's on one side of the world, there's a guy who's, who's slashing the value of his, of his currency to, to, for, for the benefit of his, of his 
people, the long-term benefit of his people. And then, of course, you've got the great German powerhouse, who you can't, you can't slash the value of the currency because they're all having the EU. You've got to slash the value of the currency in 27 different countries, haven't you? Because they're all working on the EU, or they've got to pull out of the EU. Yeah. And we've returned to the Deutschmark and cut the value of that. That'll increase their, their exports. Down falls the EU. That's the downside of the EU. It, it yeah. doesn't work. It can't work. And it, it could work purely as a trading nation. But the, because they made the EU into a political uh, United States of Europe plan with a European army, etc., etc., that's not going to work. Yeah. Get back, to a, get back to a trading nation and things will start to work. Yeah, I feel sorry. Yeah, the Germans are right. It's hotels and restaurants. So you can say it's going to hit a certain percentage of people who can afford to go and stay in a hotel and go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, they're going to pay another 12% on their bills. They are going to pay it. They're not going to stop going out. They will pay it. Okay, Terry. Maybe well, because we've because they can already afford to do it. We've gone past the hour, so um, oh. c- come at the hour, come at the man, as they say. Absolutely. Terry, uh, it all really remains for me to say a very happy Christmas, and uh, we look forward to chatting just before the new year. Absolutely. Feliz Navidad y próspero año. Muchísimas gracias. Gracias, señor.